in the merciful patience of our Lord Jesus Christ, brothers and sisters. Have you stopped to think that of all the leaders that God chose to work with and through throughout the Bible stories in that grand meta-narrative, how every single one of them were men with weaknesses with whom he had to bear up in tolerance? He makes the perfect man, Adam, and he flubs it up for all time with sin. He, he chooses Noah, and Noah is a man of righteousness, a preacher of righteousness, and Noah, after the flood, ends up naked, drunk, passed out in a tent. Abraham promises, a man, a friend of God, gives the promise, gets the promises with Sarah, and wavers and does that thing by taking Hagar, his mistress, or her, her servant girl, trying to make a child not God's way. Um, Isaac, his son, a leader, the next patriarch, plays favorites. Jacob deceives Isaac to get his brother Esau's birthright and still shows those patterns throughout his life that God puts up with. Joseph brags about his dreams. Moses is angry enough and kills a man. Then he later uh, doubts at the burning bush and he hits the rock at the end of the 40 years wandering. Uh, he was, had to be patient with Moses. Keep going through the judges and Gideon lets them worship the vest, the ephod that was he wore in the battle and Samson is a womanizer and you get to David and there's Bathsheba and then counting his fighting men at the end of his life as if it's all about him. Elijah the prophet is not trusting the will and the promises and providence of God and he's all depressed as if God died. Jonah the reluctant prophet that doesn't really believe in grace. <laughs> Got the Apostle Paul who says, I know I'm inspired to write scripture, but the good I will to do, I do not do, and the evil I don't want to do, that's what I practice. A wretched man that I am. See, it's just all through the Bible. And is it then any wonder, and why would we even single out Peter, James, and John in the story at Gethsemane that Jesus was failed by his friends, and he was. So we go into Gethsemane and we see this, and they are men with whom God is patient. And Jesus, this, 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 the, the main thought of each Wednesday night is a question Jesus asked. And right in the middle of this reading from Mark's gospel, Jesus asked, Can, could you not watch with me for one hour in prayer? Just stay awake with me. I'll read it now. It'll be up on the screen so you can follow along. But it's printed out for us in our folder. Mark chapter 14. They've gone. They've been at the upper room. They've had the Lord's Supper. They've crossed the Kidron Valley. They're on the Mount of Olives in Gethsemane, which is the, the word Gethsemane means wine press. Where there, There's a wine press there where there are olive trees. And here it goes, verse 32. They went to a place called Gethsemane, and Jesus said to his disciples, Sit here while I pray. That's the nine of them had to sit there, kind of at the opening of the garden. He took Peter, James, and John along with him, and he began to be deeply distressed and troubled. And the, these words, deeply distressed and troubled, are, are very picturesque words for being 
completely undone as a person. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. He thought it felt like he was going to die from the sorrow and anxiety. He said to them, stay here and keep watch. So nine left at the opening, go further, three left, and then he's going to go a little further. Going a little farther, he fell to the ground and prayed, and that falling to the ground is a, a tense for continually falling and like flopping like a fish. This isn't a cute little kneeling at a rock and this moonlight's coming through the clouds. This is a man that's in total distress. And he's on the ground. And he prayed that if possible, the hour might pass from him. Abba, Father, he said, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me. Yet not what I will, but what you will. Then he returned to his disciples and he found them sleeping. So he said the where the three are sleeping. Simon, he said to Peter, are you asleep? Couldn't you keep watch for one hour? Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Once more, he went away and prayed the same thing. When he came back, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. They did not know what to say to him. Returning the third time, he said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Enough. The hour has come. Look, the Son of Man is delivered into the hands of sinners. Rise. Let us go. Here comes my betrayer. It's perhaps difficult for us to... Uh, a lot of times because of our high regard and respect for Jesus Christ as the perfect Son of God, to imagine Him being put out with His disciples. But this is, the, this is a great mystery of the person of Christ. He is God and man at the same time. He is not a sinful man, but He's a man who has emotions. And being put out with somebody is not necessarily sinful. The problem with us is we're still a sinner regardless because we are when we're put out with somebody. So we always have a, a mix. We're not pure, right? But he is very hurt by these three guys. He, he brought them, you know, he took them other places like the Transfiguration. He brought them up to the mountain. He brought them further in because he was at one of, he was at, in his heart and mind, the highest moment of need for their companionship because he was going into vigil to pray to the Father and he knew that the hour has come. You know, all of his ministry, if you read through the Gospels uh, carefully, he says things like, my hour has not yet come. My hour has not yet come. People are trying to kill him early or whatever. My hour is not, he even said it to his mom at that wedding at Cana. My hour has not yet come. But here, what does he say? The hour is here. Uh, Two weeks earlier, he said he was very, very sorrowful and anxious in John chapter 12. So for the last two weeks, it's been ramped up. And he's been talking about, we're going to Jerusalem, and I'm, they're going to hand me over to the Romans, and they're going to torture me, and I'm going to die and be raised again on the third day. But that didn't make it easy. It was still infinitesimally difficult, and he 
felt all alone. And I, I, I think there's some people, especially the little children here, who haven't yet faced the thought that they might be dying or going to die and that horrifying feeling of being all alone. But there's some adults here that have. And you know that feeling when the world crashes in on you and your world is coming to an end where everything about what you say you believe and trust that there is eternal life in this Jesus Christ and you're going to be in heaven sounds coming off the lips of all the people who are not facing death like you like it's coming from someone who doesn't get how deep the hole is that you're in emotionally, spiritually, just as a person. It is a lonely road that all of us do have to walk. And I hope that if you haven't ever heard it, felt it, that have, you'll have a memory of this sermon. And you'll remember that, it, it, that I described it best I could. But you can see it in Jesus, the perfect Son of God, flopping around deeply distressed, hoping that his friends would just be awake and with him while he prayed, someone to hold vigil. But even when they do, if they did, and they tried to stay awake, but they didn't, but even if they do, they can't fully grasp what it means to be Jesus going through it. And yet he's patient with them. I've been highlighting that he was put out. I showed you the question. Could you not watch with me one hour? Are you still sleeping? That's the way that ought to be read. Not, are you still sleeping? Right. But he doesn't reject them. He keeps coming back. The one who's facing, going to face hell on the cross for all people and death and the rejection of the Father... He's coming back and arousing them and talks to them about their being tempted to fall away from him. He's worried about them, even though he's put out with them. He loves them. He's not rejecting them. Remember just earlier at the, at the, the Lord's Supper when he said, you're all going to fall away on account of me. Peter said, I'll never fall away. I'll die for you. And Jesus said, Satan has prayed for you to sift you as wheat. And when, and when you have returned, strengthen your brothers but before tonight's over, you're going to fall away and even you're going to deny that you know me three times. That's all been said, but he's not at the moment reminding Peter of that. He's patient with him, but he's put out. It's like God was with Moses or David or you. Or me. We're not cut out of any different lumber. We're not in Gethsemane with Jesus. We're reading it thousands of years later. But we know his mission is more important than any other cause that we have. And yet we tend to make other causes more important. Some of them are even sinful. And some are just the sin is that we make them more important than Jesus' cause. In a relationship, in a conversation, in life. We know his grace is there for all people and it flows through us and yet we nurse grudges. We know his promises give us hope and yet we get depressed like Elijah. We're, we're, we're those disciples 
You want to find somebody to relate to in any gospel Jesus story, don't make it Jesus. Make it his disciples because we're like this. And he is like he was to them, to us. He's honest about our sins, but he loves us. How could he do it for them and for us? How could he not reject us for sleeping on his watch? Because what he's doing and did in his lifetime was taking care of his own anger, his own justice, his own being put out. What he's doing is paying for the sins. We sang it in one of the hymn verses that he paid for what we owed him. He's fixing it. He's giving us a new covenant. It's Jeremiah 31. The new covenant will be, I will forgive your sins and remember them no more. In the spirit of his Psalm 103, I'll throw your sins as far as the east is from the west. In the spirit of his Psalm 130, I keep no record of sins. We thought he was, Isaiah 53, stricken, smitten by God, but we thought he was being punished for his own sins, but it was for us that he was stricken, smitten by God. He was pierced for our transgression. He is righting the wrong that we have caused so that he doesn't need to satisfy justice by making us pay, by cold shouldering us, by rejecting us, by punishing us, he, he's taking all of that away. He's fixing what the devil started with Adam and Eve. Fixing it. And it's easy to say, well, it just sounds so easy. It's got, it's got to be, life's got to be more, there's got to be more skin in the game for us than that. It's got, that's too easy. Well, it wasn't easy. <laughs> wasn't easy for him. It's this ancient story, and we visit it all the time, and especially at this time of year, every year. But don't get soft on it. This, is, this guy is the holy, only begotten Son of God, and he is talking to the Father in prayer about the fact that the Father's about to treat him like dirt, like an arch enemy, and they have agreed on it from eternity. We will never know what it was like to be that close to God and yet know that you were going to endure and be that far away. That sense of loss. We all know how much we crave and wanted and are appreciative if we got it, our parents' acceptance and love and affection. And if we see when people don't get it, how it devastates their life. Imagine being the holy, only begotten son of a father in heaven and knowing that you were, that was going to be fractured. Let this cup pass from me. That was not easy. We'll never know how it is to be a pure person, completely void of any bad motive, and yet to be demeaned and punished like a liar and a cheat and a, and a, a, a bad, I just, I can't even say the word, to be treated like that. To be so holy in your motives and to be true. That wasn't easy. And we could go on, right? But we won't. We know what we're talking about. It wasn't easy. It was hard. And he wanted it to pass from him. He wanted it to be another way. But he didn't want it to be another way if it wouldn't fix what was 
wrong between you and him. If there, he wanted to fix that. That's why Hebrews 12 says, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. The joy was redeeming your soul and fixing what's wrong between you and him that you have caused and that I've caused. Did it. It's interesting to watch Peter pass through this whole relationship thing with Jesus. So he renames him, you know, Simon, right? He says, here, Mark, Mark kind of picks up on that. He says to Simon, Peter, right? He renames Simon Peter, owning him, making him his own. On this rock, I'll build my church, the confession of faith of Peter. Then Peter, he's the spokesman, and then he says nothing should ever happen to you, Jesus. And Peter's got the inside. He's with three, these two other guys, and he always gets to be close. He feels close. He is close to Jesus. He's a leader. He gets a lot of things the other guys don't get just by God's grace. And then Peter says, I'll never deny you. I, will never, I'll, I won't fall away from you. And Jesus tells him, you're going to deny me three times. And then he's sleeping. So that conversation, now he's sleeping. And then he goes through the denial and the rooster crows twice, right? And then what happens next? They're taking Jesus out. They've already pulled his beard out, spit at him, beat him up. The Jews have. And they're taking him out. And he passes through the courtyard where Peter is. And what does he do? He just looks at him. And he undressed Peter's soul completely. There's... There's, there's just no great self-aggrandizing, I'll never, I'll never deny you phrase to hide behind. It all came true. In one night, he's naked before the one that loves him. And he also, Peter knows that he sees Peter loves him. Even later, remember, Lord, you know that I love you, right? But he is the problem. Peter knows he's the problem. So he goes from not knowing he's the problem being told he's the problem, sleeping, denying Christ, having it revealed to his soul that he knows he's the problem, repenting, weeping bitterly. Judas didn't repent. Judas went out and hung himself. He was, he was sad, but he wasn't repented. And then Peter gets reinstated by the love of Christ there at the side of the lake later. He goes through all of that. He's the guy sleeping. And he's hardened in the love of Christ in this relationship. And he is stabilized by grace, not by his performance. Do you see where I'm leading? Dear Christian, I want you stabilized in your relationship with Jesus by God's grace. He loves you weak that you are. It doesn't matter what stripe. It wasn't easy, but he took care of it. And you're completely forgiven of everything. And your relationship with him is the same. There is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Romans 8 verse 1. Of all those Old Testament passages I gave you, that's yours. You are loved by God. You're forgiven. And you know what? You're going to sleep some more on the watch. Lent's always going to be needing to be preached to you. You're not going to get it right all the time. You may not get it right at the very end still loves you because you're under the new covenant and what's the new covenant I will forgive their sins and remember them no more you are a new covenant Christian 
Now, if you're watching Jesus, I'm going to tell you, he's watching for one characteristic in your life above all others. that would flow out of you trusting what I just told you, that you're a person of the new covenant by his declaration. You know what that characteristic that flows out of faith is? Grace. That you would be a grace person to everyone who's ever hurt you or let you down. That you'd stop holding everybody accountable. In Holy Week, and I'm closing this out, in Holy Week, before Gethsemane on Tuesday, in the middle of a discussion about how Jesus cursed a fig tree that bore no fruit. It's interesting because in Mark's gospel, it doesn't appear in the other gospels that tell the same story. So you've got to harmonize them. Jesus is saying that, that if God doesn't see the fruit of faith of his gospel bearing fruit in your life, then he, that, that he'll have, you'll have a time of grace and then it comes to an end. And this is what he says. This is, the, this is the interjection. It's not in the other Gospels, but it's in Mark's Gospel in this story that we're looking at tonight. If you're standing there praying, and there you remember that you have something against someone, forgive them right there while you're praying so that your Father in heaven will forgive you. That's like that, forgive us our trespasses as he forgives those, we forgive those who trespass against us. It's that one thing that seems like it's love is conditional, but it's actually a condition after the pure grace that you would let the grace of God flow through you and not be a law person. And it confronts that thing that's left in you called the sinful nature and it kills it. If you want to be a person who's not going to forgive everyone else, then you're not letting God's grace be God's grace for you. Remember when we were confessing our sins from 1 John chapter 1, and I said the first two verses today are from that? Well, the last verse also is an allusion to it. You know what it says? It says, He died when, when I. When I give the absolution, it says he died for the sins of what? The whole world. I want you to, I don't want to just give you this kind of warning in, but without giving you the, how it works. How the gospel works. When you think of someone that's hurt you, let you down, and you're upset with them again on your watch. I want you to picture Jesus dying for them. It's easy to picture him dying for you. But I want you to picture Jesus dying for them. And as you're standing at the cross and you're looking at Jesus dying for the one that hurts you, I want you to say, Lord Jesus, what about him? Picture Jesus dying for him. Would you even need to ask the question? No. The grace purifies you again. Forgives you and your partner center and everything is under grace that's how you keep watch with Jesus who was patient with his apostles in Gethsemane it's by believing the grace is yours and then making sure that grace is also 
the people around you by the way that you forgive them in Christ. Amen.